Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to Friday's episode of the Socially Distant Sports Bar, part two of this week's episode. Part two, for the uninitiated, is where we discuss a documentary that one of us chooses. So it could be something off one of the streaming platforms, something off YouTube, or we started doing a few audio ones as well. So it might be something off BBC Sounds or off just another podcast uh, documentary that we've listened to and that we either like, sometimes we don't like everything that we listen to, okay, or that we watch, and that's okay. And we're not going to pretend that we do if we don't either. <laughs> so some of the documentaries we love, some of the documentaries we don't like, I think the key thing is we just see something that we think might be good, and we watch it, and we all come to the table. We don't talk about it before, which I think a lot of people think we do. A lot of people think we sort of map out, oh, you say that, we say it. We genuinely haven't spoken about any of this stuff until we get in the room, we kind of put a ban on our little WhatsApp group of actually talking about the content apart from directing each other towards the content. So a lot of the time, probably less abridged than it should be. Uh, but <laughs> this is, these are our genuine thoughts on it. There's also a book recommendation from one of us as well. So we each read a book over the course of three weeks. And then Mike, Mike listens to them, if we're honest. I sometimes listen to them as well because it's easier. And then we recommend a book that we think you guys would like. I don't think we've had many books that we don't like, actually, thinking about it, because I think that that's more of a that's more of one of us recommending it to the gang, I think. That's what it feels like. Whereas the documentary feels like, right, okay, we've picked something out that may or may not be good. It's very it's not very often that it's oh, this is my favorite documentary, because I don't think that's how that world works. Whereas I think books lend themselves a bit more to going, oh cool, this is amazing. There aren't many that we've done where we go, ah, it's no good. But have a listen to that bit as well. As I say, if you like the Socially Distant Sports Bar and this is going to be your sort of new thing for 2024, then welcome along. But we have been doing it since 2020. So you've got three years worth of content to catch up on, which is cracking. If you want more every single week and you want it to land on your app on a Tuesday rather than on a Wednesday and a Friday, so you get part one and part two together, you also get a bonus round of clips that we do just for the guys who pay us. So the Patreon is where we put this stuff at the moment. Uh, Patreon.com slash DistantPod. And that is sort of the landing page for these things. So go there, have a look. You get those on a Tuesday. It is ad-free. If you go for sort of the £8 or the £10 tier of our Patreon, then you also get two bonus podcasts every month. So HoffyPod is one where we choose clips of stuff that isn't sport, and we talk about those. And Michael Owen's Movie Club is where we discuss a sports movie. Might be moving it to just a movie. But we discussed something that Michael Owen 
won't have watched or that we can recommend to Michael Owen because he famously has only watched like eight or ten movies or something like that. He's not really into culture. So we're trying to get... Should he ever stumble across the Patreon, there's a wealth of movies there that Michael could watch. Some of those are terrible, by the way. There are some movies we've watched which are, you know, really don't stand up to repeat viewing. I would say December's one, Rocky IV, nowhere near as good as I thought it was. Nowhere near as good as I remember it being. But that's the one that we looked at last month. We've done, what else have we done? The Brewster's Millions and Karate Kid, The Mighty Ducks. We've gone through loads, and, and some good films as well. <laughs> We've gone through loads and loads of different films. And there is a whole raft of those there for you to look back on as well. We've done five or six episodes of Hoffy Pod. And every single month, you will get one of those if you decide to sign up. Right, it is time for part two of this week's Socially Distant Sports Bar. On the other side of these advertisements, if you sign up to the Patreon, you don't get the ads. Bye. So we should start the second part. Which is Bing Bing Bang. Fucking Bing Bing Bang. Fucking Bing Bang, innit? Welcome to Friday's <laughs> Socially Distance Sports Bar. It is documentary time. Ellis James has chosen this one. And can I be honest, Al? Yeah. I didn't think it was going to be any good when you sent it over. And it was bloody great. Okay. Well, the documentary we're discussing this week is Wonderland, the Alice Street story. The top of Alice Street from 1 to 13 was bustling. It, it was such a big family. All of them, different characters, yeah. everyone, and everybody yeah. had their, their job, didn't they? Oh, absolutely, and everybody relied on one another because nobody had anything. All these houses had big families. The second, oh. second and third generations living there because of the housing crisis. Yes. And those that didn't rented the rooms out. Yeah, well, the community was tremendous, yeah, wasn't it? Absolutely yeah. And we tremendous. knew everyone, and no one's door was locked. Everybody had their own identity. It, you didn't want to go out of Cumdi, really. I, I don't ever remember going to Swansea Town Centre when I was young. Oh, we, we didn't want anything else. We were all happy, you know? To bring us back here now oh gosh, yeah. and reminisce is absolutely wonderful. You know, it is absolutely wonderful. Number six was always full of people. It was never empty, so you could never feel lonely then. Nine Alice Street in 19, I would say in 1930, there would have been my grandparents, my dad and his three siblings, the Charles's family were their four siblings. So that was one house. It was like Noah's Ark, that place. And it was the jumpers for goalpost days. And you'd be out until your mother called tea is ready. And that was the rallying call then. Now, Alice Street is in Cumdee in Swansea. Mm-hmm. And is an absolutely extraordinary place. It is a small, unremarkable terraced street in uh, Swansea and between 19, I think 49 and 1960 produced five Welsh internationals uh, from four houses because two of whom were in the same house. Yeah. It is referenced in Phil Stead's Red Dragons, a story watch football. And there was a piece about it in the Western Mail or Wales Online 
a few years ago, which I read. But considering it's this incredible hotspot of talent, very few people know about our history. I think the people of Swansea know about it. Certainly older football fans know about it. But it should really have the same kind of culture impact that Walls End Boys Club has, because Walls End Boys Club in Newcastle has produced this slew of amazing, amazingly talented footballers in England internationals. But Alice Street, you know, uh, it's it's Mel Nurse, it, and also it's John Charles and Mel Charles and a couple of others. And finally, someone's got round to making a documentary about it. So I really, really enjoyed this. It's just, why Alice Street? And that that's, that part of Swansea anyway produced an awful lot of footballers, and mm. especially at that time, because you had Cliff Jones, double winner with Tottenham, played in the 58 World Cup. He was from Swansea from a couple of miles down the road, uh, played in that Swansea team. Ivor Allchurch, Santiago Bernabeu called the best inside forward in the world after the 58 World Cup. He was from Swansea from a couple of miles down the road. Uh, his brother, Len Allchurch as well. I think the 58 World Cup team, a lot of those players were from Swansea, from from the city itself. But yeah. Alice Street is just one street. And I've been there. We filmed there for the Welsh not even a big football document. It's not even a big street, exactly. Like 40 30, houses. Yeah, 30 yeah. or 40 houses or something. <laughs> and Martin Johns, the historian, he says, you know, it's it's difficult to pinpoint why. You can't ignore coincidence. But also when you've got a very successful schoolboy football system. Mm. That like I mentioned which wasn't unique in South Wales, but was rare, I would say, because the Swansea Schoolboys team won the the Schoolboys FA Cup a couple of times in the 40s. Okay. So it was one of those things where I think a lot of the grammar schools that might have played rugby played football, or there were certainly sportsmasters there who played. And you're going to get scouted a lot at that point. Yeah, who liked football. And then obviously you only need a couple of professionals. Yeah. And suddenly clubs are looking at you. So obviously then it becomes it becomes a plausible root out of uh, your life to become a footballer or yes. a, a plausible route for your life to become a footballer because if you look at say Alan Curtis his his uncle had played professional football Cliff's dad had played football and his uncle had played football as well they were all Welsh internationals so you tend to do what's what your family has done and um, I just think it's it's amazing that Alice Street I can't see it happening again if I'm honest I don't think it could happen again could it because of... why because I don't think, I don't think there's that. Because of economics, there isn't what they used to be. We're much better off than we were then. Yes. So kids don't go out like my kid. My kids are very sporty, right? Both love sport, dance, and rugby, and football, and cricket, and whatever, right? Netball. But they don't go out with their mates and do that all the time. They do yeah. in an organised way. Yeah. They're different clubs, and you've got a different. You do, you do your after school stuff, and you know there's there's a lot of that going on. But like, it sounds like a cliche, but they're genuinely they, they, there was nothing else to do. So you would come home from school, and in school there would be not a great deal. So you're playing football in the yard all every time, uh, every day. You come home, and you, I know exactly where that street is. And I know exactly where Cumbola Park is. Right? Yeah. You yeah. get a ball, go to Cumbola Park, and you will stay there. It it sounds like one of those things where we until Mum called us in for tea, but that's exactly what they would have done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like I said, at night time in the winter, you would play. There were no cars on the road, so you'd play on the. We're not going to get that now. I think that's why South Americans and Africans, if you if you look at it now, African African players and South American players, hmm. they're where we would have been fifty or sixty years ago economically. So there's not. If if you live if you live in a fucking favela in in South America, yeah, 
you're not staying in, in on your PlayStation and, and you know you're out with your mates kicking a ball around all the time. I tell you one thing though, like men, so I work on fancy football league with. Hmm. He's from a, an estate in South London, and the standard of like schoolboy football and street football in South London is incredibly high. So an yeah. awful lot of Premier League footballers are from South London. It's yes. crazy. And Rio Ferdinand always says he can tell a South London footballer from the way they play with the ball. They're just different. And he, from his estate alone, there are probably three or four Premier League footballers. So Eze, the Crystal Palace number 10, is his cousin. Another one of his cousins is playing in the SBL. Mm. He played non-league football. He got as far as tier five. So Mens, can, Mens is a good player himself. It's just the fact that it's from the same street. Mm. And it's also not even either, either end of the but street. But it's a rural yeah. street. It's not like a, a London estate with a thousand and thousand. Yeah, yeah. People. Sure. This is like a hundred people on the street. And it's like number in the middle four, of six, eight and ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're all next door to each other. It's really blocked in. The, the one guy who I really like in this is John and Mal Charles' other brother. Yeah. Oh. Pressure on him must have been huge. He's so honest, isn't he? So I love the bit where he talks about the fact that, you know, I, I was no... They were trying to make him a footballer. Yeah, I was no kind of footballer. Yeah, yeah. Just, and that, you know, obviously he won't have been as comfortable with that then because you're a kid. The the way that he's obviously just resigned himself to the fact that that's, that's not the way my life's going to go. Mm. But then Jeremy Charles, mm. Mel's son, goes on to play for Wales. Yeah. Well, it's because of the way the Swan, well, Wales in general is, but Swansea, especially like in the days before you made a a ton of money and moved to wherever, right? You sort mm. of came back to where you were from. Yeah. So like Kelly's dad, oh, by the way, if you, if you are listening, Jeff, he just won his, uh, his team's walking player, walking football player of the year. So congratulations, Jeff. Oh, well done. Strong word, Jeff. He's a Swansea City ticket holder for years and years and years. But um, yeah. he would see John Charles all the time because John Charles still drank in the same club he yeah. was used to drinking. So yeah. the forwards yes. club in Trebolt is where he would go. So uh, by the time I started seeing Kelly, John had passed away, I think, or around, he, he wasn't, certainly wasn't a well man. Mm. But his brother would still be in there, so I'd be up, yeah, yeah. I'd be up the Fords Club, and he'd see Melbourne come in with his blazer on, looking very dapper, right? Yeah, thought, and he was what? big like John. He was big and oh, six foot big, two and strong. Man. Yeah, yeah. And they said like with Melbourne, some of the veg a couple of times, man. He was all. He's just always around. Yeah, there wasn't the money there is now. You you tended to gravitate back to where your family. Yeah. Was. Well, Mel Nurse, I, I knew nothing about him until this doc, mate. What a fucking bloke. Oh, yeah. I mean, he absolutely, he rescued Swansea City. Yeah, Swansea City wouldn't exist without Melness. Mm. Twice. Mm. I had no idea about that. He ran a lot of the guest houses on Oystermouth Road. He oh, okay. ran a lot of them. I stayed in a couple of those. Yeah, me too. I stayed at the Times Hotel for my, for my stag night as well. <laughs> dear, oh, dear. But the thing with Mel Nurse, what I loved about it is he, di- he did make a few quid because he was wise with his investments, I think. Because yeah. he had that Rolls Royce. If you were from the area and you were getting married, he'd drive okay. you. Isn't that, a, really? isn't that a kind thing to do? That's yeah. brilliant. Love that. Yeah. That's very Swansea fan to get him married. I'll, I'll come pick you up in my Rolls Royce. Go and drive you. Oh, That's what so a man. Cute. I loved it. I, I, can I get one small criticism of a documentary I really enjoyed and really liked? Yes. Yeah. As a muso. Yes. N- the music didn't fit the documentary. Okay. No, I thought that. So if you're talking one... about the 50s, play 50s stuff. And if you... Yeah, okay. there's, there's one bit where they're talking about the 50s and they've said it's the 50s and then they start playing the kinks. The kinks. You think, what are you doing? And there's a bit where they're talking about the modern sort of resurgence in Welsh football, and they start playing "Sweet Caroline" by Neil Diamond, which is not a, not a not a thing oh, wow. I'd associate with yeah, yeah. a Wales football game. Yeah. So musically, it's a bit off, but I think the story-wise was fascinating. Some I yeah. didn't know. I think it's a really a really good documentary. Mm. And these hasn't been made already. That was my thinking. 
but also I, I love the because I, I spent it watching it thinking because we've spoken a lot about you know rights issues when you're making stuff and all this kind of stuff and then seeing the proviso that it's for educational purposes. I was going to say because I, this I, I know for, I know for, from bitter experience these are about fifteen grand each these songs you're picking. Yeah, all of these songs and then the World Cup footage that's in it as well. And I was thinking. Fucking hell, lads. How's this still online? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then you look at it and you go, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah well yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, well done. Swerved a bullet there. Very clever. It's really interesting. We played, so on Kel's dad's stag night day, mm. we had a game of football on Cumberland Park. Oh, wow. Oh, lovely. Yeah. And do you know what? I scored two goals. My whole my whole growing up, I scored two goals ever for St. Okay. David's Football Club in probably eight years, right? I was shit with a ball on my feet. Yeah, that birthday it pissed down the rain. We're on Cumbulla Park, and the piss, piss, pissing down rain. <laughs> I scored a goal early doors. I thought, like it's a bunch of old blokes, mind. But I was yeah, yeah, there. don't matter. And then my only ever headed goal <laughs> was I ran across. Kelly's old man th- chucked a cross in, and I dived right. Yeah, headed it. It went in, and I skidded it for about fifteen yards. Oh, I fucking yes. loved it. It's one of the best days of my life. Because <laughs> David Brilly's written a lot of books. He's written with James Hook, hasn't he? James yeah. Hook and Ashley Williams as well. well. I was going to ask that. That's our Dave, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's a top man, Dave. Oh, lovely. I'm glad it's him. I was going to ask him about that. But also, it's not just... You could be really cruel and think, well, a lot of players who weren't of international standard have played for Wales. Not those five, though. Or yes. you'd be like, all right, yeah, five professional footballers from one street. You're like, all right, then, well, who are they playing for? Yeah. They played for Juventus, Arsenal, Tottenham. That's what I mean. Bolton, who were a really yeah. big club at the time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Swansea, Middlesbrough. I mean, yeah. they are they're proper clubs. Yeah, there's not there's not one you're trying to shoehorn in. No, to create exactly. a narrative. Talk about players getting shafted back in the day. Though. Like the same, like so. Even when Charles went for sixty five grand in like nineteen sixty, which yeah. is a phenomenal amount of money back then, right? Sure. You would have got, I, I assumed you'd get like 10% of that or 15%. Like, you know, that was the, the done thing afterwards, wasn't it? Nothing. Wow. And they're saying we used to get 20 quid a week for being the best footballer in the world. Yeah. He ended up in, um, you know, he was living on a council estate in Leeds, John Charles, yeah. at the end of his time. Yeah. He'd made some bad investments and he bought a yeah. sports shop and that kind of thing. And He had a pub in Cardiff, I think. I think he had a pub and stuff as well. There, there are a lot of things that I think he was sort of persuaded to invest in. People, talk about footballers nice. having t- yeah. People say about footballers having too much money these days. It's infinitely preferable to being absolutely shafted like oh, they were back in the day. That's the other, yeah, that is yeah. the flip side of it. Isn't it? You're not looking that far back either. Oh, no. Do you know what I mean? You think about sort of when I started watching football in the 80s. Yeah. You're only thinking 20 years previously. Not even that was something they, these guys were playing. But also the players who were playing in the first division the season before the Premier League mm. were earning hundreds of pounds a week. Yes. Yeah. 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 You know, Alan Hansen, 89-90, the year he won the league last, he was on £800 a week. Shut up. And had to ring Adidas for a boot deal. Yeah. Neil Webb, who played for England, was he, he must have been in the 1990 World Cup squad, I think, Neil Webb. I think he was. United. Became a postman. Euros, definitely. Yeah, yeah. That's mad. You know, it, the Prem, Premier League changed the finances of football very quickly. I found a bit, I always find pre and post war stuff fascinating. Yes. So the lads who get called up at. Oh, you know, yes. You might have been 19, 20, 21, and then the board breaks out and you get, you're like, oh, fuck off. Yeah, Ernie yeah. Jones and Jackie Roberts. Was it Jackie Roberts who started his career for Bolton? He's got a hat trick against Everton, one yeah, of the best game. teams in England, in his first game on his debut, and then yeah. war breaks out. Mm. Yeah. So then he loses his. Best six years. 
And it was made and blind in one eye because of his injuries in the war. So my uncle Reg there, so Nan's brother, I was got his secondary school's cap in the in my bar, right? Yes. So Uncle Reg was eighteen when the war broke out. Yeah. He was at the time, like for his age, he was the fastest like bloke in the country. And he was in the Welsh schools team with Dr. Jack, like eighteen years of age, at the one cap. And it's weird, all those cuttings I've got from my nan's after my nan passed away with her brother, Uncle Reg. I died before I was born. Yeah. On the back of those, a lot of those curtains is talking about the build-up to war, you know, and there's all these things going on. And So he got his cap in 39, and war broke out almost immediately after that. Oh. And he joined the Paras, and he was in the parachute regiment for the next six years and saw really? all sorts of horrible shit. And then it was never really talked about, but he, he was what we now, I suppose, call post-traumatic stress. Joined the police force, but was, a by all accounts, talking to my granddad. My, my nan couldn't talk about it. Was Was an alcoholic, essentially just drank himself to death. And by 41, 42 had died. Yeah. And he thought there was that 18, 19-year-old lad with his life in front of him. Yeah. He was yeah. fucking really quick, really good looking, really good at rugby. You know, you're, you're on the brink of it. And then that happened. Bang. Well, I tell you, he lost six of his best years as a footballer. And no one ever remembers this. Stanley Matthews. Yeah, mm. of course. But because yeah. he carried on till he was 50, people forget that actually he, he would have done even more had war not broken him. Hmm. And it's what's so cruel about it is that physically, you know, look at Ronaldo, the way he's carried on, or look at Zlatan, but your 20s are the time. Yeah. And if war breaks out and you're 21, you lose six years. Yeah. It's just, yeah. you're just not going to be the same. You lose six years of the training, but you you talk about you know, Ronaldo and Zlatan. You, I wonder what physiques they would have with rationing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Do yeah. you know what I mean? No, there, there are other elements to that as yes. well. We just go, mm. I love that bounce. We talk about that golden age of spectatorship after the war. Mm. When you've, oh, had, you've had yeah. blackouts and, you know, turn your lights off, don't do this. There's no radio. There's no intelligence. Yes. embryonic anyway. But there was no sort of entertainment as such, no life sport. Yeah. Then the war's over. You're not going to get bombed. You're not going to get blown up. You, you, your dads and your brothers and your mums are all coming home. Yeah. And then you've got your local team to go and watch on a Saturday. You've got the communal thing. Fucking hell. That must have been brilliant for those few years then. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's all the bits you're talking about when you're talking about like going to watch the rugby or whatever. Yeah. But multiplied by the fact that you couldn't do it. Yeah. For years and years and years. You're down the vet with 25,000 people every yeah, home game. Yeah. yeah. Oh, fantastic. Different vibe. I, I love the really evocative shot in this of those three lads wearing sort of Britain Ferry red tracksuits walking up the road at the oh, end of yeah. it. Yeah. And that's really well done. I love that bit. Yeah. Because it kind of immediately you go, Oh, yeah, they weren't just professional footballers who came from this street. They were just kids yeah. who will have just walked over the park together, dicked about together. And I, I, I don't know what it was, but there was something in that shot that I was just like, oh, that's really good. Yeah, This yeah. is another one of those docs that's begging to be a longer documentary. Yes. It's it's begging for a big, big budget, although motion graphics in it are really good. So whoever yeah, knows. Yeah, fair play. It should right. be shown on the BBC, really. This that, story should thought. be far more widely known than it is. Yeah. It was Phil Stead who told me about Alice Street. Yeah. And I... It's not that I didn't believe him, but I found it hard to believe that you could have five. And also, say, say I don't know, say it's a late Victorian or early Edwardian street, yes. five internationals over the course of a century would be noteworthy. It's the fact this in the same decade. That's the bit for me. And also, it's not like... With a war them, in between. One of them didn't yeah. move there when they were already good. Which means <laughs> yeah. you, you always get these... Yeah, of, yeah. There's someone tagged on to all these, and they'd push it too far. But this is just this is a proper story. Well, you I look at it. Ellis Jenkins, for instance. Yes. So he went to 
Bryn Cullinog Comprehensive School. Mm-hmm. And so he went there. Gethin Jenkins went there. Neil Jenkins. Yeah. So that's three top-level rugby players. And then yes. David Roberts, the swimmer. Yeah. Or Michael Owen, the rugby player. Kelly Morgan, the badminton player. And Adrian Lewis Morgan, the actor. So yeah. if you look at this, Paul John was a PE teacher there. Cool. So it's obviously a rugby school, but that's yeah. still stretched over the you know 30 years or so. Yes. It's the fact that it's so coordinated, it's so concentrated, and it's one street, and they're all playing the same sport to a really high level. Yeah. It's extraordinary. I was really pleased that, as an XPE teacher, the, the school got a nod and the school system got a nod. Yeah. Because before academies, mm. until, yeah, you, yeah, until, yeah. until you got like an apprenticeship level, yeah. that's, that's where you played your football. Yeah. And I just wanted to very quickly mention, so Brian, Brian Price passed away yesterday, obviously, Newport Rugby and Wales and British Lions. I was at a do with Brian that Newport Rugby Club about five or six years ago. Yeah. Lovely fella sat next oh. to him. Well, it's just an absolute gentleman of a man. Yeah. And still big now. Like he must have been He's huge. fearsome in his day, right? Yeah. So I just gone through Twitter yesterday and I, and I, I retweeted about Brian passing away. Mm. And then one fellow says, so Steve Jones, here we go. This is really sad. He was a great man. And for five years, he was my PE teacher at Caldicott Comp. A tough yeah. rugby coach, but a coach that got stuck in. We always enjoyed talking to him about his time playing for Wales and what, and what a player he was. Rest in peace, Mr. Price. Yeah. I love so, that. Yeah. Mr. Price. You know so I mean? that that PE department in Caldicott was Brian, my dad, and Bryn Mullins. Oh, never. Shut oh, yeah. So Brian, Brian used to look after me after school. Oh, what a lovely bloke. So I used to go to Uncle Brian's house. And we'd sit there and him and his wife would look after me. And, t- and then I got to work with him later on, on Radio Wales. Oh, class. And he's like, you're little Steph. No, <laughs> it's just really, it's a lovely sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, he's just an absolute, he was, when I read the BFG, Brian was what I pictured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he was massive and had massive ears and massive hands and yeah. a massive nose. And he was just such a nice old man. Oh, I love, I love Brian a bit. Yeah, well, there we are. It's just, it, I just love that bit in the dark when teachers, well, it goes back to Mr. Pickton and all that sort of stuff with, with Ian Wright, you know, that, that good teachers can make such a difference as well. Yeah. Mm. You know, so yeah. Right, it is book time. This is the pot, uh, of, this is the pot I've always dreamt of. This is good. So, so. This is me and you know, Alice. In the interests of. That last. Yeah, Alice has, I presume, gone to play football. Yeah. What, what, what it is, neither of us asked. No. Could be off doing one of his other, many other podcasts now. Yeah, can I go? So yeah, go on. Yeah, go on, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. He said, I've got a hard out at 12 o'clock. And at 12 o'clock, he left. I like when we have meetings, when we have meetings with, with, with big companies. Yes. And they sort of ask what our structure for stuff is and what our contracts are. And we go, no, we haven't got any of that stuff. Don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, don't know. know. Don't have to worry about it. That's fine. Yeah. I would, I, I would say, I wonder how many big companies that we've had meetings with where they get off the call and they go, good strategy, that. They're trying to disarm us. They're clever. Mm. Clever they're people. They claim there's no contracts. Yeah. They claim there's no contracts. They claim there's no paperwork they, involved. They, they, they talk in the meeting as though they haven't prepped for the meeting. They say it's all done on a handshake. Yeah. All this stuff. It's just yeah. bullshit. It's just exactly. bullshit. They're playing hardball. Let's give them an extra three hundred grand each. <laughs> what have you got? You got you got a New York t-shirt on. Yeah, uh, was it New York Running Club? I got a Pittsburgh t-shirt on. Oh, look, it lowers be Heinz Field to me. Oh, nice. That's very good. Thank you. I like that. That's a very nice yeah. bit of gear. Oh, my sister. Thank you, Sarah. Oh. Merry Christmas for uh, yes. I was say. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have texted my brother-in-law Ian and my little nephew Rocco. 
Happy Christmas, guys. Yeah. Hope, hope you enjoyed it. In, in the Patreon bit, you were talking about the honour system. Yeah. Which kind of leads by, me... By the way, I'm not I'm not doing a sales job. Yeah. That's uh, the best I, second half we've done for a long time. <laughs> that was... It was really, it's very rare the second half is is better than the first half. I don't know. No, no. I think I think it's I think it's consistently. Yeah, it's it's as good. But I think I think we actually managed to pep the first half today. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, I would say that that is that that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Which again, it, it's not a sales pitch. If it's not for you, that's perfectly cool. All right, don't worry about it. But yeah, I I'm, I really enjoyed that, and I loved it. Was it. Good. My tummy hurts a little bit. I don't use the word tummy. Oh, God. It's like I'm four. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to work on my tummy muscles. Yeah, come on. Oh, dear, dear, dear. <laughs> oh. I knew that would make you cringe. I hate So you, you were speaking about the honour system, and I wanted to pick something by Benjamin Zephaniah. Because oh, I love Benjamin. Yeah, there's loads of stuff that I like that Ben has done, mm. and there's loads of stuff that... He came to my primary school when I must have been, I don't know, eight, mm-hmm. maybe nine. Did loads of school visits. And he did the whole thing. And it was the first time you'd heard someone say semi-naughty words. And the first time you'd sort of seen someone being rebellious. Mm. And I just thought, that's cool. I thought poetry was shit until then. Yeah, I'll yeah. be honest. Just thought, yeah. can't be asked with this. It makes what's, what's the need for it? Yeah. And then... Kind of listening to his stuff, you go, oh, okay, cool. All no right. Benjamin Zephaniah, no tree. That's what I know. <laughs> yeah. Stuck the fire it's, in me. It's the natural arc of work. <laughs> it's what you want. It's fine. But I found a couple of bits of him doing a couple of poems. And I thought rather than me reading them out, because I can't do that, I won't nail it in the way that Ben could. No. So, and you know, I probably shouldn't nail it with Pankhurst. No, please don't. <laughs> I, I thought that the better way of doing this... If you could take that wig off. <laughs> it was not... <laughs> it was not me reading them out. I thought that was a bad idea. Yeah. So, here is a clip of, I think, one of the funnier ones called Football Mad, which is just a really, really nice piece of work. Football Mad. Oh no, bless my soul, clever Trevor scored a goal. So he runs up the pitch and wriggles his butty. He's kissed by ten men, all sweaty and snotty. Now he's waving his fist to the queen who just stares. The lad's going crazy, but everyone cheers. Now what's he doing? He's chewing the cod. Now what's he doing? He's rolling in mud. Now he's crying, I think he's in pain. Now what's he doing? He's smiling again. Oh no, bless my soul, clever Trevor scored a goal. He's doing gymnastics, he's doing some mime. He's kissing the ground for a very long time. He's now on his back with his feet in the air. He's gone all religious and stopped for a prayer. Did he pray for the sick? Did he pray for the poor? No, he prayed for the ball and he prayed to score. No one but no one can restart the game until Trevor has had his moment of fame. Oh no, bless my soul, clever Trevor scored a goal. He kicked the ball into the net. How much money will he get? So I love that one. That's from one of his earlier books and is just a really, really nice bit of work. Um, There is another little bit here from a BBC video that he did where he wrote a poem about Muhammad Ali. The planet has been visited by a force as sharp as lightning. From Louisville, Kentucky, he lit up the universe. He said, if you are not courageous, you will accomplish nothing. 
and you will remain oppressed, downtrodden, slaves or even worse. The planet has been visited by an awesome mighty power. Yes, he floated like a butterfly and he stung like a bee. He had a hook that would explode and ruthlessly devour, yet he was full of life and full of wicked poetry. The planet has been visited by an honest, fearless fighter who shuffled round the boxing ring with delight and enthrall. His knowledge would increase and his wisdom would get higher because he knew the better man should rise after a fall. Three times the heavyweight champion and many times the greatest and many times the system tried to hold this proud man down. But he would not be trampled on, no, not in the slightest. This man of heart and principle would always stand his ground. He would not fight another's war. He sought peace and inner stillness. A sportsman he was, a gentleman. He was cool under the sun. No, he would not fight another's war. War was not his business. This sporting spiritual warrior knew no peace came from a gun. His imagination took him high and he went to the mountain top and he declared to all mankind that he had seen the light. This revolutionary said that warmongers who kill must stop and we the people should rise up. Yes, black and white unite. The planet has been visited by a force that has no equal. From Louisville, Kentucky, he lit up the universe. He was the king of boxing and he inspired people. An intellectual man mountain whose talents were diverse. The planet has been visited by a wise and righteous spirit who boxed and fought and opened eyes with righteous poetry. So people of this planet, live as one and hail the greatest. So his message and his compassion shall reign eternally. So again, just love the nuance and love... Do you know, I remember watching Ricky Gervais years ago talking about The Office and him yes. saying that he wasn't sort of driven by the money side of it. It was the fact that if it, if it was a success or if he was in that, that field of work, yeah. he could get to meet people that he admired. And yes. it's through him that I got into Larry David and Cuban Enthusiasm, which is coming off his last season now, which I absolutely loved, the Cuban Enthusiasm. I would never have heard of it if it hadn't been for Ricky Gervais talking about meeting this sort of heroes and stuff. And through doing this job, the number of people I've met, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Like people that I really admire and look up to. So when I got asked to do Blood on the Tracks, and it's because oh, yeah. of this. I remember Al had sort of mentioned through this and mentioned me to them. They got in touch with me. Yeah. And they were doing Blood on the Tracks. And it was the one I was on with Bez, Michaela Cole, Bez, and Benjamin. Oh, wow. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, it was amazing. I've listened and, to that episode and I've never, I've, I've equated the two things. That's really Yeah. Funny. So it, I'll, try, I'll try and maybe try and find him, put it on, put it on the link for that. For that, that, that. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd love that series. I love Colin. So, yeah. He's great, Colin. What I'm doing is I'm doing his last lock in. Um, oh, are you? Tomorrow, tomorrow night? Yeah, tomorrow night. Last ever one. Yes. Um, Carl's great. So, but I'm just talking to Benjamin there for a couple mm. of hours. Mm. He was a fascinating bloke. And to, to go through what he went through and not to come out the other end bitter and twisted. Yes. But to come out beautiful and artistic and, and yeah. well spoken and just generous with his time and with everything else. 
Oh, he's just a, such a lovely, lovely man. So it's a real loss that, he, that he's got. Real, and it was at such a short illness. I think, I think it was like six weeks from diagnosis to passing away. Yeah, and I yeah, just yeah, and I absolutely, I, I like I say, I I really am not into poetry generally, mm. but I love his stuff. I, there's a great story that he tells about about it being in school and his PE teacher assuming that he was into cricket. So there's a, there's a great quote here which says, uh, in 2004, this is when he wrote this, it may seem obvious that not all black people love cricket, but back in 1960-something, this headmaster just failed to believe that I couldn't stand the game and insisted that I was a born cricketer. <laughs> <laughs> Every time yeah, yeah. I repeated my hatred of the game, people smiled. And when I told my fellow pupils I'd never handled a cricket bat, I was told to stop messing about. I felt well and truly uh, stereotyped. It took one bowl, one bowl to get me out forever. I remember it well. As I stood waiting for the ball to arrive, I shook nervously. I wanted to go home. The ball bounced in front of me, almost flattened an ant. And as it came up, I went to strike it. Uh, but it came up so fast I couldn't see it. It hit me right on the hand and broke my longest finger. I ran to the medical room and saying things like, I hate cricket and mum, and I never play cricket again. Some weeks later, I was approached by the headmaster again as I was drinking my free school milk. And he asked, are you any good at boxing, lad? <laughs> I replied, no, trying not to look Afro-Caribbean. But I am very good at formation flying, sir. <laughs> I just, little things like that. So he did a lot of school stuff. And like you said, your school and, you know, lots of, lots of schools around here. Like, and you know, I'm going to be into poetry, but just to, just to let kids know that they can be, you can be street and you can be tough, but you can just find yes. other ways to express yourself. And to, and to explore that a little bit, it, it made a big difference to, like Kelly was, is an English teacher, or was an English teacher, right? Seeing those sort of things make a big difference to mm. kids because they can relate to it. We said with, with the football, you know, if, if if Mel Charles lives on his street and, and John Charles lives on his street, you sort of think, well, I can do that. I, you know, maybe not at that level, but there's nothing to stop me trying because they've done it. They're, mm. they're, they're from where I'm from. So when you see like Alfred Lord Tennyson, yeah. right? Yes. And you're reading that sort of poetry. Okay, that's not, I'm not knocking it. But when Benjamin Zephaniah walks into your school with with, yeah. with with dreads and you know talking like yeah people that you know talk about things that you understand yeah. and you can relate to, I'd never it just made the up to, didn't it? leap because I was eight or nine between lyrics and poetry before. I'd never I'd never worked out that mm. they were similar things, similar beasts, and just treated differently. Well, my favourite band yeah. is the Tragedy Hip. I've talked before. So their lead singer who passed away a few years ago, Gord Downey. Yeah, I love Gord Downey. But his old man was a professor of English, yeah. you know, literature. So he released a poetry book, God, and became, because everyone in Canada loves the tragedy hip, he became Canada's best ever selling poet. And his stuff, but, it, but his yeah. lyrics are very poetic. They're beautiful, you know. And, and he, I've been a hip, hip fan for 20 years. I yeah. don't know what some of those songs mean. They're so, they, they can mean whatever they mean to you. They'll mean, yeah. they'll mean something different to me. Yeah, so Benjamin, I was, I was, I was genuinely sad when I read that yeah. last week about him. Because like, like I said, I only, got, I only got to meet him once, but he was so he was so nice. And Kelly's a big fan as well. So. Oh, cool. Well, there, there's a couple of bits there. I'll stick a link into a few of his books as well, so you can, if that's your kind of thing. Maybe put that um, the Blood and the Tracks link up with it as well. Oh, well, I'll stick that up there as well, because like I say, I'll, I, I don't know, I'm going to look at that now and I'm going to listen to it. Do you also, because Bez was hilarious. <laughs> Benjamin and Bez were like, they got on like a house on fire. It was funny. That is the end of part two. Thank you for listening to the Socially Distant Sports Bar. We will have another one of these for you. We started in 2020 and we have not missed a week of episodes yet. So if you sign up to the Patreon, 
there's not going to be a month where you go, I only got three. It's rubbish, man. It's rubbish value for money. You will always get the episodes because we, for, for some reason, I don't know what kind of thing it is. I can't pretend it's a work ethic because I don't think we are the three hardest workers in the world. I don't know what it is, but we will always do a podcast for you, okay? So that, that is a promise. The other thing, if you like what you've heard, but you don't know how, which bits you're going to necessarily like, go to the pint size episode. So on Sunday morning, if you click on the follow button now, on Sunday morning, you will get a pint size episode of this podcast. We've gone back through the archives. We pick out bits that we think are amazing, bits that we think are funny, bits that we think are representative of what we do. And within the episode description there, we put in the episode that it's come from as well. So it kind of helps you a little bit. So if you go, oh, that's that's a really funny bit, that. I wonder what the rest of that episode was like. Just go back, scroll through the timeline, find it, and have a listen to that. It, it, I think it works as a sort of helpful journey provider. A lot of people like to go back to episode one and working out how much the pod's changed, and the answer is a lot. But whatever your journey's going to be, thank you for getting on board. Really love having you as part of the pod, and we will have another one of these for you next week. See you on Wednesday. Thank you.